You are listening to another edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you as always by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Ryan Decker and Sam Coniglio here in the Morgantown studios following West Virginia's road loss at Iowa State to begin the month of November. And Sam, before we get into this game and kind of rehash what happened, West Virginia just could not get out of the gates on offense and the uh, kind of tailspin here in the second half of the season continues for the Mountaineers. This game was somewhat of a microcosm of, of the season. I feel like they were just so close the entire game, but then it just fourth quarter it completely got out of hand. I mean, um, it was it was a three it was a three point game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It didn't feel like that, yeah, especially by the, by the end of the game. But they ended up losing thirty one to fourteen despite trailing 10-7 to at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was a completely different game than the first three quarters. But, I mean, really, from top to bottom, it was not a, not a pretty football game. Right. For either. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, the first three quarters of this game was kind of old-school SEC, where it's punt, 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 field goal, punt, touchdown, and then punt, 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 punt. And eventually Iowa State's offense got going in part because of a special teams miscue, which we'll get into here in a second. But, I mean, really, it was just, as you mentioned, West Virginia very close in this game for three-fourths of this game. But that last fourth, that last quarter, really just the difference maker in, in this ballgame between West Virginia and Iowa State. But let's just jump into it here. WV, WV's offense, as we mentioned, uh, just could not get going. Five straight punts to start the game, followed by a bad interception by JT Daniels, who really struggled in this one. WVU trailed 10-zip deep into the first half. Mountaineers finally get on the board with 34 seconds left in the first half. JT Daniels, not a pretty pass, but Bryce Ford Wheaton, I think, with a great play on the ball to show a defender in the end zone and come down with it. 10-7 the score at halftime. No, no scoring to speak of in the third quarter could have been by Iowa State if not a not for a dropped touchdown pass and then a missed field goal by the Cyclones, which Sam really, those two plays, they ended up not making a difference in the game. But how different would this game have been if Iowa State scores those two uh, on those two possessions? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Two missed opportunities, really, by Iowa State. It didn't end up hurting them at all in the end. But yeah, two, two huge missed opportunities that kept West Virginia in this game. But on the other end, again, that's one big missed opportunity for the Mountaineers. They just, I mean, they, they left a lot of points on the, on, on the field. Because, they, like, like, like I said earlier, they, they were in the game. Mathematically, they were in the game until, until the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then that's when it got out of hand. But, yeah, that... <laughs> When they weren't able to capitalize on that drop touchdown, field goal, you could tell something something wasn't going right. Right, yeah. I mean, so the drop touchdown pass and missed field goal happened on the same possession there, just one play, a sack by the Mountaineers, separating those two missed opportunities by Iowa State. West Virginia responds, though, with a pair of punts. And then speaking of punting, Iowa State, to start the fourth quarter, forced to punt it away to the Mountaineers would have been setting up West Virginia in pretty good territory after that punt. However, Reese Smith roughs the punter. It was the second time in this game that a West Virginia special teams player runs into Iowa State's punter. This one, one of the roughing variety, so it's a 15-yard personal foul penalty. Iowa State then scores a touchdown to go up 17-7, and the Cyclones really didn't look back at that point. 21 straight points on the board in the fourth quarter by Iowa State as the Cyclones win 31-14. The late touchdown scored by the uh, by WVU coming 
off of Garrett Green's arm. Touchdown pass there to Sam James in the end zone. But Sam, really, West Virginia's offense outside of that Garrett Green-led drive, just non-existent in this one. JT Daniels struggled, couldn't get the running game going, which injury is a big reason as to why on that front. But offensively, just nothing happening for the Mountaineers. You knew the running game was going to be tough. Like you said, a lot of injuries coming into this. Justin Johnson was the only running back that got carries. Um, Garrett Green got five carries, including, uh, I believe, one or two on the last drive when he was actually playing quarterback. JT Daniels carried the ball five times. A bunch of those were out of necessity, and those, yeah. those probably include some sacks. But Justin Johnson carried the ball just 12 times for 48 yards. You know, pretty decent performance, but we know he's banged up, and they only ran the ball 12 times. They passed the ball 22 times with JT Daniels, and it was by far his... Uh, let's say most lackluster performance as a college quarterback. He didn't even touch 100 yards today. I mean, he he, he struggled out there. But we got to give Iowa State some credit. They have a really good defense. Yes, for sure. They were getting talked up all all week, and and they really put some pressure on on, on Daniels. They kept the receivers largely in check, um, save a couple of plays here and there. But yeah, they were they were uh, smothering WV's offense today. Yeah, JT Daniels just 8 of 22 passing, 81 passing yards, had a touchdown and an interception. WV's offense total, 200 yards of total offense, and again, very minuscule results in the running game in this one. As you mentioned, Justin Johnson leading the way in that, but just 76 rushing yards for the Mountaineers. And it, you, you mentioned 200, 200 total yards. That includes 75 yards they they drove on the final drive. And yes. In, in garbage time. If And that was with Garrett Green in a quarterback. So, you know, the game was decided. If, if you don't count that drive... They had 125 yards of, of total offense. So let's, I mean, that, that, that was just a, a, a tough, tough performance in Ames for WVU. Yeah, and you're exactly right. The other thing I was going to say, too, was that prior to that Garrett Green scoring drive, West Virginia did not get into the red zone before that. They finally did with Garrett Green operating the offense. And it's not like we're saying Garrett Green needs to operate the offense moving forward, but in this game, Garrett Green moved the, moved the ball pretty well when he was in there on that final drive for the Mountaineers. But as you mentioned, Iowa State uh, knew it had the game in hand at that point. You're just trying to get out of there healthy and make sure time goes off the clock at that point. I don't know if you had anything else to say. Okay, okay. Uh, one other note here, WVU's offense with the starters in to just kind of put a bow on all of this. 11 drives, 9 ending in punts, 7 3 and outs. Uh, Neil Brown spoke about it after the game. You'll hear his comments about the offense here in just a second. But as we've mentioned, just unable to get going. But it should be noted, as you have said, Iowa State's defense, the best all-around defense in the league coming into today, uh, one of the best really in the country, especially in the passing game. Neil Brown spoke about that during the week, that the linebackers and what Iowa State does defensively, it just creates havoc for other teams, and we, we saw that today. Yeah, they've got a lot of athletes on that defense. Colby Reeder, a senior linebacker, transfer from Delaware, came in leading the team in interceptions, one of the top interception guys in, in, in the league. Um, only had a couple coming into this game but still I mean that, that that's a testament to how they utilize their athletes not it's not just DBs that are getting on pass coverage reader also gets in gets into the backfield um, yeah th th they were swarming all over the place today and, and, and I mean they're holding teams to below uh, 17 points a game before this and they may have lost every single big 12 game coming into this but they, they 
that only lost them by an average of 5.6 points, less than a touchdown. Right. You know, their hearts have been gotten, their hearts have been ripped out time and time again this season. They kind of took it all out on West Virginia today. So, um, yeah, again, credit to the Iowa State defense. They really made uh, WVU's offense uh, <laughs> have a bad road trip today. So West Virginia, as we've mentioned, struggled, especially in the passing game today. JT Daniels held just himself to 81 passing yards as a team. West Virginia held to 124 passing yards. To put that into perspective here a little bit, so far this season, Iowa State has held five different teams to under 200 passing yards and has now held three straight opponents to under 175 passing yards this season. I mean, really, what Iowa State does defensively is extremely impressive, and that's why uh, WVU's offense really struggled again today. So when we come back, we'll have sound from the head coach, Neil Brown, and then we'll put a bow on this game against Iowa State look ahead to what's to come for the Mountaineers. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, brought to you, as always, by Pritt and Spano. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Back here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here in Morgantown following West Virginia's road loss to Iowa State on Saturday. Here's head coach Neil Brown following that loss in Ames. All right, story of our game was uh, the inability of our offense to move the ball at all. Um, stats are putrid. We gave ourselves no chance to, uh, to win the game. Uh, credit Iowa State. They're really good on defense. They've been really good on defense uh, for a while. And, and they may have their best unit this year, um, but we got nothing going. Um, and I thought defensively we hung in there. We, we really did. I thought we really played well through three quarters. Um, disappointed we were, we gave up some rushing yardage to them, um, but we gave a ch- gave ourselves a chance to win defensively. Um, the roughing the punter penalty was huge. You know, it's 10-7 game at that point. Uh, we had a chance to get the ball back around midfield. Um, I thought he got blocked into him. We'll see. You know, we'll see. I can't. I can't say um, until I see it. They. I didn't see enough of the replay to be able to tell. But that was obviously the play of the game, and uh, they scored there and, and took control of the game. So there it is. There's the head coach Neil Brown following West Virginia's 31 to 14 loss at Iowa State. West Virginia now in sole possession of last place in the Big 12. Sam, let's kind of put some context onto this game real quick. I mean, really, Iowa State, as we mentioned, came in on a five-game losing streak. Cyclones now ahead of West Virginia in the Big 12 standings. And when you look at bowl eligibility, it's one of the things Nick and I spoke about last week after that heartbreaking loss to TCU. We spoke about if bowl eligibility was something that was realistic for the Mountaineers. Certainly at this point, not a realistic uh, outlook for WVU. Mathematically, it's realistic. You know, they just need to win out. That's, that's the tough part. Um, yeah, they, they, they are down to their last strike, if you will. Um, you know, you got to be 500 now. It's no longer the COVID year where you can get away with seven losses. Uh, you got to be six and six. Um, so tough road coming up. Oklahoma, Kansas State. And uh, who am I missing here? Who am I missing here? Oklahoma and Kansas State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Um, and they're going to be mad. 
<laughs> Oklahoma State's going to be mad after, after today losing to Kansas. So, and Oklahoma lost today as well, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of hungry teams looking to, uh, to, to trample the Mountaineers moving forward. So WVU's got to really get it together if they want to play some, <clears throat> excuse me, play some postseason football. What, and on that point, I mean, West Virginia's back half of its schedule was already very unfavorable. You knew a, a TCU was going to be really good going into it, and of course they were. Iowa State, tough place to play. Looking at it a couple weeks ago, you knew you were going to have a ranked Kansas State team, a Oklahoma team you thought was reeling, and then a ranked, playing very well, Oklahoma State team. And some of that is flip-flopped here. Oklahoma, prior to their loss today, had really started to come back and started to find its groove. It lost at home 38-35 to a good Baylor team. But now, two weeks after losing in Morgantown, right back into the thick of things and the Big 12 race to try to play for a Big 12 title in Arlington at the end of the season. So Oklahoma certainly will be uh, mad, annoyed, motivated, whatever descriptor you want to put on there as they try to fight the Sooners do for bowl eligibility. You've got Kansas State, who, as we are recording this, is down by 21 points at home at halftime to Texas. Kansas State's going to be looking uh, to improve their bowl status moving forward down the final couple weeks of the season. And then Oklahoma State may be the only team in the Big 12 that is more battered and bruised than West Virginia. Uh, Mike Gundy didn't have Spencer Sanders at, at his disposal today, so he played a true freshman, I believe, instead of his own son at quarterback. Might have been for the betterment of his son's health and safety because Oklahoma State uh, really got wrecked in Lawrence today, 37-16, to losing to Kansas. So, But you've got a lot of motivated teams coming up on this schedule for WVU, which if you're a West Virginia team that obviously will be motivated to try to save face here a little bit down the back half of the season, uh, not good going down those final three weeks because you've got teams that have a lot to play for coming up the rest of the way. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, there are a lot of teams like Oklahoma just sneaking back into the, the Big 12 race. I mean, you look at the standings, it's uh, obviously TCU at the top. They're playing – they have the highest uh, stakes to play for. Um, they're undefeated, and they're probably ticked off that they did not make the playoffs so far, obviously. Um a lot of football left in the season. But then you look down. Uh, uh, hold on. I just had it up, and I can't get Google to work. 4-1, uh, and one, Kansas State. 4-2, and two, Baylor. 3-2, three and two, Texas. 3-3, three 3-3, and three, three and three, Kansas and Oklahoma State. Obviously, that's uh, today's result was a big factor in that. And then 2-4, and four, Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Iowa State and West Virginia are out of it. It's that. That's it. But I mean, these teams. It's 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 a gauntlet, and it's always a topic of conversation. Every single college football season, you know, is the Big Twelve arguably the most competitive league in, in football? I think this year is without a question the most competitive league in football. But the, that's always been its problem. Teams always beat beat each other, and, right. and TCU plays plays uh, Texas, they play Baylor, and they play Iowa State. Those are three teams that could beat TCU and ruin their playoff chances. So, right. I mean, a lot of teams are playing for a lot of things heading into the rest of the season. WVU needs to 
really kind of get some motivation if they really want to win out the rest of the season. Yep, certainly so. The Big 12, it's a nightmare really no matter what sport you're playing in, football, basketball, baseball, any of the uh, Olympic sports. I mean, really, it's a nightmare to try to get through this conference, and then you hope you can survive your way through the conference to get to whatever your postseason may hold for you. But speaking of postseason, by the way, some big soccer matches coming up on Sunday as we start to pivot a little bit towards the end of the podcast here. Uh, the WV Women's Soccer Program in the Big 12 Conference Championship Tournament title game. That's at 2 o'clock against TCU, a nationally ranked TCU squad at that. That's at 2 o'clock Eastern, and then at 3 Eastern, the WVU men's soccer team uh, on the road in Lexington, Kentucky, taking on Coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Uh, again, Sunbelt Conference, kind of the Big 12 of men's soccer to, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, it was that came out of nowhere. Um, the, the conference yeah. literally came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. it, it manifested itself in the offseason and immediately became one of the best, arguably, not, arguably the best uh, conference in college soccer. Um, and, and WVU has been competitive pretty much the entire way against some of the top teams. Right now, Kentucky is the top team in the league right. and one of the top teams in the country. Um, so they're obviously the favorite, but WVU as the number four seed could, could make a run. I mean, they drew with Kentucky in one of the best college soccer matches you're going to see all season. But while we're on the topic of soccer, let's give a shout-out to Jack Elliott, a WVU alumnus. Um, while WVU football was playing against Iowa State, Jack Elliott was playing for Philadelphia Union in the club's First ever MLS Cup final. He had one of the best performances you could possibly have in a final match. Um, set a record. Um, the latest goal scored in an MLS game in the 124th minute, I want to say, of extra time. Only for that record to be broken four minutes later and his, his team to lose in penalty kicks. Um, and that record was broken by uh, Gareth Bale, a legend of, of the sport um, across the world. So. You know, if, if you're going to break it, to, if you're going to lose your record to anybody, it's got to be Gareth Bale. But yeah, shout out to him, and uh, it's 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 a shame that he couldn't come out on top despite scoring twice. Yeah, I mean, uh, very very close. We were watching that one pretty intently, or at least you were, as the second half was kind of winding down there in Ames, trying to keep up to date on really everything that kind of WVU touches, so to speak, here in the sports landscape. And of course, if you want to do that, you can head to goldenbluenation.com or make sure to always check us out on social media, or uh, if you live in the Mountain State, on any of your local Nexstar stations that carry us in our uh, daily Mountaineer Minutes and anything else here we do, the Neil Brown Show, the Bob Huggins Show, which will be coming up here soon, and Mountaineer Game Day, of course. But that'll do it for us here in Morgantown. For Sam Coniglio, I'm Ryan Decker. Thanks for listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast, which, as you know, is always brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.